You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, everybody? How is it going? I'm really excited that you're here with me today for this very special episode of the podcast. They're all special. These conversations are like gold. It's what I live for. I love doing this show. And I thank you for tuning in week after week so I can keep doing it. I really, really appreciate you. So just a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way before I get into this one with Addison from the JHS show. First off, a little public service announcement. I want to talk to you about jerky. And no, this is not an ad for jerky. It really, truly is not. I just want to share something with you that I learned the hard way this weekend, and that is the expiration date on a bag of jerky, even if it's sealed and never, ever, ever been opened, it indeed is a real expiration date. Do not ignore said expiration date unless you want to pay for it with your, you know, gastrointestinal system. Trust me, don't gamble on the beef jerky. I know it's supposed to last forever. Uh, this bag lasted about two years from the day I bought it, and I decided, let's go. It's only it's only a couple weeks past the expiration date. It's jerky, after all. And uh, I'm here to tell you, that was a terrible decision. I had a rough time this weekend because of that decision. So please don't be like me. Use your brain. Jerky does not last forever, despite what I had formerly thought. So yeah. Also, the text chat is still down, unfortunately. I am trying to work with the company that I used for this, and it's being a little bit difficult. So I hope I can still use it. They're trying to switch me to a new plan that is going to be extremely expensive. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to afford to keep that going or not, but I will figure out something similar because I really, really enjoyed that method of communicating with everybody. So I'm still trying to figure that out. So if you've been texting me at that number and I've not been responding, that is why. So I'm trying to get it figured out. It's been kind of a nightmare. I will get it sorted as soon as possible. So apologies for that. But in the meantime, you can still contact me at info at tonemob.com or DMs or any other method. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. If you want to talk or you want to shoot me anything, I'm around. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into this one with Addison, the unsung hero of the JHS show. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have the legendary, the person that I call the unsung hero of oh, the JHS stop. show, <laughs> Addison Savan. How's it going, you dude? You got it. I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm stoked to do this. Me I, too. I've been, this is, this I've is been a meaning to do this for a while. I've been Thank meaning to do this for a while. Thank so, you. Yeah. Well, I've told people a lot, mostly like off the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went to do the JHS show, mm-hmm. yep. I was super impressed. I was oh, like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, these guys are legit. Like, oh, this we, is. We appreciate that. <laughs> it was, I was, I've told everybody, like, I was like, these guys are, 
I I don't know what I'm doing over here. These guys oh, are killing whatever. it. Whatever. Thank you. <laughs> so uh it was, you know, just it's it's like it's like a TV station. Yeah. Like, it really is. It, it and uh you're running a lot of it. That's why I'm like, people see you up there, you're sure. slapping to bass, you're doing the yes. thing. But you're also doing all of the audio for everybody. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people are aware of that. You, you've got a lot of duties. So, yes. you know, you, you, it's very impressive. So I wanted Thank to get you, you on yeah. to find out how all that happened. Like, I, sure. I kind of, we've, we've all seen the public facing, you know, started mm-hmm. with Josh just kind of talking sure. about pedals. Then Nick yep. came in and, yep. and it's grown. Now Joshua's there yelling at everybody. You know, it's like a whole thing. But like, mm-hmm. how did mm-hmm. the show start? And how did you get involved? That's why I wanted to bring you on. But I yeah. think I want to go back even further okay. to when did you start playing guitar and bass and getting yeah. into gear and basically take us from day one to okay. where you are now? All right. Day one. So my mom is sitting in uh, the basement and she's pregnant with me and my dad is drumming. Yes. <laughs> so <Yeah>. my... my <laughs> <laughs> my parents are both musicians. Um, mm-hmm. My dad has has been a drummer, um, his, I mean, pretty much his whole life, really. And so my mom said that um, she used to sit in the basement and, you know, while she was pregnant with me and, and my brother, my older brother, um, she would sit in the basement while my dad would, you know, drum to uh, his music and practice. Yeah. Um, and so as far as I know, I have been a musician, I mean, my whole life, really, you know, mm-hmm. um, I started, I started picking up instruments, uh, uh, I guess when you'd say when I could pick up an instrument, yeah. um, there's a story where, um, my parents, I was in the basement and, um, my parents thought it was my brother playing and he's, he's way better than I am a musician in general. And he's <laughs> an amazing drummer, but I was four, I think at the time they said this and they thought it was him playing and he had, you know, by this point was, um, fluent, uh, drumming. And so, um, that was the start of it for me. And then really it's always just been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up uh, violin in elementary school, um, third grade started playing that. And then um, I got my first bass actually. So that was my first like proper, you know, uh, stringed instrument, I guess you'd say. I mean, violin was, but if you yeah. talk about, you know, guitars. Um, and so I got a bass when I was 11 and two weeks after it, I, I started playing, uh, in youth group worship okay. team. Right. And right. so that's, that's where I cut my teeth, uh, learning, um, how to play with other people. And so, um, I just, I fell in love with it. And then I think it was, um, around the time I was 13, I um I got my first six string, my first electric guitar, and that was like I just loved guitar ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, met my wife around that time uh, when I was thirteen, so we met super young. She's Whoa. a musician as well. Yeah, yep. Got married when we were eighteen and nineteen, so we we've been together a good long while. But um, she's a big part of that story too. She's always encouraged me. Really, whatever you know, music dreams I have, she's like, go for it. Um, I support you. I, she loves, um, loves cheering me on. Uh, and that's the best thing ever. Um, so, um, my grandpa sold his, uh, one of his investment properties and gave each of the grandkids a thousand dollars. And I was 15 when I got that check. Um, and it said, I still have the note, actually, I have like a safety deposit box and I still have a note and it says for savings, school, etc. 
And so, so you took that et cetera to real, really to heart, right? You know where this story's going. (laughs) So I, um, I asked my parents, I was like, can, can I buy a Les Paul? Um, you know, my favorite guitar player at the time he played a Les Paul and I was like, can I buy a Les Paul? They were like, "Ah." hold on, pause. Who's that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Daniel Carson. Do you know who that is? familiar. No. No. So he lives in Nashville. He plays for an artist called Chris Tomlin. Um, and he's been with him for 20 years. He's been, been that guy. So I was in, uh, still am, but, um, was primarily in like praise and worship stuff for a long time. And so, um, yeah, loved, loved hearing him play and the parts he came up with. And so he had a Les Paul and a Vox and AC 30. And I was like, I need a Les Paul. Can I, you know, can I buy Les Paul? And so two weeks after my parents caved and, uh, <laughs> I, st- I still have it. So this is, this was there my first, is. like, yeah, this was my first, like, Oh wait, you know, hold on. What, yeah. what what year is this? Like, this this was 2007 when I bought it. This guitar is 2006. Um, okay, but I bought it in 2007. Is so. that one of the is that one of the fadeds or the? It these? is one of the fadeds, dude. Yeah. Dude, hold They're on. They're amazing. Hold oh, you on, have hold one on. too? Yeah, just a second. Come on. <laughs> Yo. Oh, do you have a double cut? Oh, just a second. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know this is a mostly no, an audio good. podcast. Uh, all what? good. I'm a mess. <laughs> you, I said there double it cut. Is. It's not. Look at that. Bro. Yeah. This Dude. mine was uh, 2003. I got it in 05 for graduation when I was 16. So Come on. I love that. What stories we have that are so similar. That's great. <laughs> That's wild. And you've, you've changed out some of the hardware there, I see. Uh, I've changed the pickups. Okay. Yeah. And... It, <laughs> It came with with uh, the knob or the switch tip was was loose. Okay, it came, yeah, from, yeah. It came from Guitar Center, and so I went That's where back. Where mine's to, from? Yeah, I went back to Guitar Center and was like, okay. "Hey, uh, I need a different tip." And they were like, okay. "Uh, we don't have that color." And they just grabbed one off of another random Les Paul and they're like, "Here, you can <laughs> nice. have this one." And it's black. It's black oh, dude. for no reason. Yeah. Okay. And I've it's it looks kind of dumb being yeah. mismatched but i was just but for me for yeah. some reason i was like i like that it's stupidly mismatched for no reason and uh Dude, i'm gonna leave it there you know it's funny but, yeah we we have the inverse because i kept the you did you change the uh is, is yours flat or is it carved the top mine's flat it is mine's okay special okay mm-hmm. so yours is special so mine's mine's not mine's the studio but you know, so yours okay. came with the cr- the cream pickup covers. Mine still had the black ones, which is what it came with. And then I have a okay. So so we're inverse. That's not black on mine. That one's <laughs> cream on this one. So that's funny. Yeah, that's man. crazy. What but a yeah, story. I love I love this guitar. It still feels like home. That's that's how I feel um, as well. It's it's like you know sometimes I'll just come in in my music space here and I'll just play and. Um, that's the guitar. Whenever I pick it up, it's like it doesn't matter how old the strings are if it's not set up well. It just feels like. I mean, it was the only thing I played for six years. Probably is the only instrument I had that I, I was played saying, on a I consistent think basis. Maybe, maybe even longer than that for me. I yeah. played on it forever, and uh, yeah, I still love it. Still love it. Man, I, me I, too. Yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, good. interrupted yes. the story, but no, yes. it's okay. It's okay. That's a great. That's a great interruption. Um, so same time I got that, I got my first pedal ever from ProGuitarShop.com. I remember watching Andy the demos he used to do for them, um, and it was the Full Drive uh, Two, the MOSFET version had just come mm-hmm. out. So that was the first 
pedal I ever bought. Um, pretty sweet first pedal, if you ask me. I think um, so. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, soon after that, I was buying all kinds of stuff. Um, and really, ever since then, every extra penny I've had has just gone towards gear. So, um, yeah, let's see here. Fast forward, I'm probably taking too long to tell you my backstory. No, no, no. No, this okay. is a podcast. This it is gets, what it, <laughs> it gets weird when you stop talking. That's what I cool. tell people. Yeah. Good. Okay. I won't stop talking. Um, okay. So, uh, my first job ever was at a local music shop here called Mountain Music Shop. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone in the Kansas City area listened, is listening, they uh, maybe remember that. Um, that shop. It was super cool. Um, so I worked there for four months and then the IRS came and shut them down, unfortunately. Oh no. And they had some some tax stuff going on. So I was like 16. I got a phone call one day and they were like, hey, um, don't come in. Uh, we don't know if we're going to reopen. It's not you. It's us. I was like, oh no, I just got fired from my first job ever. Well, come to find out it wasn't my fault, really. It, it was actually them. So um, You embezzled money. That's why the IRS was there, right? <laughs> That's what's going on. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know if they did. <laughs> Somebody oh, did. Man. Somebody's embezzling. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I think it was a, an amazing shop. I think they probably just, you know, hard times and couldn't keep up. And, you yeah. know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the owner and that whole crew has such a great reputation on the area. People are like, oh, I love that shop. So it's cool to get to, to be there. So in, in, you know, in that four months I was there, I bought gear there as a 16-year-old. I remember coming home one night um, and I told my parents, I was like, I bought a guitar today. And they're like, what? I, I said it was a G&L ASAT, a tribute. We were a G&L dealer at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, I bought a guitar today. It was half my paycheck. And my dad was like, what? Why'd you talk to us about this? You know, and as a sixteen-year-old, I'm like, I don't know. It's my money. You know why? Yeah. Why don't you ask you about that? It's gear. Well, I love me, gear. Pops. Yeah. yeah. What, what, come on. So they weren't actually mad, but um, that was just the the you know the uh, common common thing for me. Just like, oh, I got extra money and buy gear. Mm-hmm. So um, constantly buying and selling pedals, um, mostly on the gear page at at this time, mm-hmm. um, and then started playing in a band. Um, traveled a little bit. Uh, around would just like go do weekend runs um, and then went to uh, a community college here in town. So uh, decided I wanted to um, work with audio. And so there was a great program. Um, so by this point, my wife and I are married. Um, we're, we're 18 and 19 and I um, I start college, community college, and I'm uh, studying audio engineering here at this super cool program. It's a great program, this little, uh, little community college here. And um, I, I fall in love with with that whole process, the recording process, being in the studio, making music, um, which I've already you know been a part of, but just like really starting to understand um, some of these things that I've heard on records. And um, yeah, it was a, an, an amazing environment. And so spent two years in that program, graduated. And then while I was there, um, I got to work on, uh, like I had a small circuitry class, small circuits class. Okay. And so I, bu- I built a pedal. That was the first pedal I ever built. And uh, I decided I was like, I want to, I want to build audio gear. And so I had this bright idea to go to electrical engineering school um, at the University of Kansas um, in Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, study electrical engineering. And so my wife and I moved out there and um, it was not what I thought it would be. Electrical engineering and building audio equipment is like, I mean, there's smart people that build audio equipment and I was like not smart enough to do that at all. <laughs> not even close. Like, so I I dropped out my second semester, um, 
barely passed my classes, ended up dropping out of calculus. There was just so much going on. And I was just like, this is not for me. Um, and so I promise this will all land. Um, my, uh, wife was a photographer at the time, um, full time. And she was like, why don't you just join me, um, full time and we'll just do this photography thing. So I dropped out of school, took a big old leap of faith and just started a business together. Um, and did that for like six or seven years. Um, and, and so that was like the better part of my twenties, I would say, um, taking photos, we were wedding photographers. Um, and so, uh, that whole time I'm still playing music, um, but not really doing anything in the studio recording, not, not continuing on that education that I had right. really. Um, and I was totally fine with that, you know? Um, so about four years ago, I guess it would be 2018, maybe 2019. Um, I, we decided that we didn't want to do the photo thing anymore. And so I ended up getting a job with, um, a filmmaker in Lawrence who, um, super talented dude, um, still great friends with him. Um, I got to start kind of back into, um, post-production audio stuff with him. Um, but we, we do stuff with like TV networks, like, um, uh, the NFL, you know, like if you saw stuff on TV where it was like ads of, you know, um, or not ads, but like interviews with Mahomes or whatever. Um, yeah. we, we'd be the camera crew that would go and do that stuff. And so I kind of, I, I was doing a lot of stuff for him, but on set on film sets, um, I would kind of like slide into the role of, um, like the location audio guy. And so built out this really cool kit, um, would go and do that stuff and then did as much post-production as I could. And that's, that's when I kind of fell back in love with the post-production thing. And again, still playing music and stuff, um, and always will, but, um, then pandemic hit and Ooh. yeah, right. <laughs> so we had just come off of, um, the, the company I was working with, it was myself, my boss, and then another guy, um, who was, uh, full time. Uh, we had just come off of doing this really cool film on Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Um, it was a 30 for 30 with ESPN. And we, um, we were like, dude, this is going to be awesome. Like, we're going to have a ton of work. We're going to do these like cool projects. What's the next documentary we're going to work on. And, um, COVID hit and all of the contracts went away. All the work went away. And so, oh, um, wow. my boss was like, Hey man, I, I'm really sorry. I can't afford to keep you on. I was like, I, I totally get it. Um, and so I was connected to Josh through a couple of friends. There's a recording studio right next to JHS. Um, mm -hmm. Zane, shout out to Zane Callister, amazing producer, uh, amazing friend. Uh, he has a, um, a studio next door, um, there or a space in the studio next door there. Um, so he, uh, was like texting Josh. He was like, hey man, you need to like get connected with this Addison guy. I think he could be a really good fit for your team. Um, and then another mutual uh, friend of mine and Zane's and then a real close friend of mine, Chet Kiefer, um, great musician, just an amazing friend. Um, he's like flips gear, like you and I drink water. Like he just <laughs> goes through guitars and I love it. I love, um, I, I've gotten to play so many things because of Chet, but um, he also was like, um, doing some, some stuff, uh, some deals with Josh at the time. He was actually selling him like a version one Timmy, um, like with ah. the perf, perf board. He, Josh was looking for this, uh, particular model. And so, um, I guess they met up and he was like, Hey, you need to like get connected with this Addison guy. I think he'd be a great fit. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so Josh was like, dude, 
two people are telling me, let's have this guy in and we'll interview him. So it was crazy, the timing of everything. I went less than 24 hours without a job, you know, unemployed during the pandemic, which is amazing. I mean, so, so many people, some uh, our close friends have terrible stories of losing their, <clears throat> excuse me, of losing their jobs and losing their work. Um, I didn't, I, I just, you know, it was like my last day and I had a weekend off and um, had another Monday off and then went, you know, went to work for JHS. And so, um, that's my story of how I ended up at JHS. And then what were you doing uh, there at first? Well, so <clears throat> hold on, let me take a, <laughs> let me take a <laughs> sip of water here. Getting parched. It happens. I don't ever talk this much. <laughs> um, so the, the hire initially, I remember the meeting with Josh and Nick, it was like, Hey, you do all these different things you've touched, you know, photo and film and audio and post-production, all that stuff. You're a musician. Um, we would just love to hire you on to be a part of the show. We don't know what your job's going to look like. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, oh, wow. So you were hired specifically <clears throat> for the show. Whereas like, I was. if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. Nick started out like building stuff and kind of transitioned into, yep. you know, being on the show. You were hired yep. specifically for the show. That's cool. Yep. I That's sure was. Cool. Yeah, it, it was, um, again, just a timing thing. They they had gotten to a point where um, they were kind of like week to week on content. Um, and I mean, you oh, know how it is being a content familiar. creator. Yeah, <laughs> sounds it's like, very familiar. Yeah. You know, when it's one or two people, you can really only do so much. And so they're like, hey, it's time for our team to grow. Um, and so I came in with – I I. I think I was the first like show specific hire, but mm-hmm. Katie, who's there, she's um, uh, she handles like brand stuff for us. She was also doing some show stuff as well. And so, um, where's I going with this story? Yeah, Nick and Nick, you know, started out with Josh just building stuff, moved up through the ranks, and then kind of you know pitched this idea to Josh. He's like, "Why don't we start a YouTube channel?" And Josh is so passionate about teaching and about. Um, about sharing the the knowledge that he knows he loves pedals. I mean, it's obviously very clear. And so um, I, he said, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And so they just, you know, built this thing, um, I think for like two years before I was there. And so I kind of just stepped into a, a pretty dang well-oiled machine already. Um, <clears throat> and at least something that was like, it had an identity, it had a direction. And uh, I stepped into that and really, um, I kind of ended up being a just a good fit for, for the team and what, you know, needed to happen. Um, it's funny when they hired me, they didn't know I played bass. And so ah, for secret, yeah. secret superpowers in there. Right. And up to this point, I was playing guitar primarily. Like I hadn't touched a bass in, in years really. Um, and so that was my kind of like, you know, back to 11 year old me, that was the first, um, electric, electric instrument that I got, but, um, I hadn't, I hadn't picked up a bass in years. And so, um, they, uh, we were, we were filming one day. It was like one of the first few, uh, days that we were filming and, uh, they were jamming and I was like, Hey, like I play bass as well. Do, do you want me to try, um, you know, jamming along with you guys? Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those moments where they were like, let's see what this kid's got, you know? And so, um, <laughs> so I jumped in and it was great. And so, um, it just kind of became a thing. Um, I was the bass player of the JHS show. That was yeah. Really just that simple. It was like, hey, this seems like I need, I think I can fill it. And so here we are. Here we Um, are. Yeah. Yep. Hi, 
I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Was it intimidating at all going from like doing a lot of behind the scenes camera work, you know, <laughs> to, I mean, that's a very popular YouTube channel. In fact, right. I've told people before, I'm like, they have a lot of subscribers, right? They yeah. do, yeah. but their viewership versus their subscribers is mm-hmm. much higher than other channels with a similar sure. subscriber count. It's it's kind of wild to see yeah. how many people actually tune in and watch these shows Yeah, versus like, don't get me wrong. There's hundreds of thousands of people they're subscribed sure. to it but yeah, yeah when you compare it to other channels mm-hmm. why is the viewership the viewership so much higher and it's because yeah. it's awesome but Thanks, it's man. it's pretty fascinating to see was it intimidating at all to go from behind the camera to in front of the camera a lot more with that many eyeballs on you all of the sudden yeah i mean it still is to be honest i i don't particularly enjoy you know like even today it was like, oh man, like I hope I hope I don't sound like a dummy on on, <laughs> on your uh, Blake's podcast here. Um, it's it still is to be honest. I'm I wouldn't call myself like you know. Um, Josh and Nick are so great on camera. I wouldn't call myself great on camera. Um, I I've grown to enjoy some of the the aspects of it, but if I'm being completely honest with you, man, I still get nervous. Like when we film like the just try stuffs and we're like sitting there talking, you know, at the table, Nick and I together. And it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, what are you going to say? Think about it. And then it's like, okay, action, <laughs> we're rolling. And I'm like, crap, I can't remember anything that we just talked about. I'm sorry. Right. You know, so that, you know, um, that's a reality, but it, yeah. it's fun. It's very fun. And I've, gosh, I've learned so much. Um, yeah. And they're, they're awesome. They're patient with me. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, and I don't know if I told you guys this. I feel like I did. I feel like I maybe told you. Uh, when we 
when I came there to do the live, I don't really mm-hmm. get nervous about like speaking yeah. in front of people mm-hmm. and I've gotten more comfortable on camera, even though I'm not sure. really in front of the camera all that often. It's mostly yeah, audio. Yeah. Right. But I was a little bit nervous about doing that mostly because that was the first time I had played together in a band type setting with anyone yeah. in like five plus years. Really? I play by myself all the time. But okay. like actually jamming with people, free jamming yeah. the way we did, I hadn't yeah. done that in forever. And I was never really, really good at improvising. So I, when you were like, are you comfortable jamming? I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, you be, did great. It's going to be did fine. Great. You sounded awesome. It <laughs> was you. so much fun. It was it, so much fun. It was. You kept it easy for me. So it was <laughs> like, all right, I can find some things in here. I can I can throw some nonsense in here and it'll be okay. Man, uh, But yeah, awesome. I was like. I, uh, you know, I know Dustin's going to hear this. He's a big supporter of the podcast and the gear world in general. This mm-hmm. guy buys gear from everybody. But he picked yeah. me up to go to the airport okay. and I got in it and he was like, you did great. I was out in the parking lot watching it. You know, he brought me barbecue. It was wonderful. Shout out Dustin. He's the best. Dude, what, um, is, he, is Dustin in Kansas City? He is. Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know Dustin. That's great. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And so uh, that was the first time we'd met in person, which okay. was wild because we've talked yeah. on the internet for a, yeah. a jillion years, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, but I was like, yeah, I haven't played with anybody in forever. And the first time I do, it's all these people are watching me. <laughs> I was like, Dude. woo. But man, that was that was so fun. It was such a cool, cool experience. So when Josh asked me to come do that, I was like, yeah. absolutely, I'm going to come do that. We had a we had a great time. It was it was fantastic. That's so good, man. I I tell you what, playing and Nick's Nick's amazing. I I've gotten to work on a bunch of like his um, stuff outside of work with him, mm-hmm. um, but playing with Josh is like he might be one of the the best musicians that I'll ever get to play with. And I'm not just saying that to like be you know like suck up or whatever. That's not not where my head's at. Um, I think Rhett Scholl actually said that Josh Scott is the um, the internet's best uh, or best but least well-known guitar player. I don't remember the analogy he said, but he basically was like, he's so underrated. And I, he I is, agree. man. Yeah. I mean, it's like playing with him. I mean, playing with both of them, honestly, like I'm so much better of a musician today, two and a half years into working at JHS than I was back then because like they're just great musicians and they have like called me up, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. – um, yeah, playing with better people is a great way to get better. <laughs> yeah, I think Josh is funny because he, I think it's because he's publicly said that he's not that great of a guitar player so sure. many times. He might even believe yeah. that himself he probably at this does. point. And yeah. it's like, he's like, oh, I'm not that good. I'm like, and I was watching him. I'm like, mm. I mean, you're not like, it's not like Yingvei Momstein rip your face right. off stuff. It's yeah. like very solid, very mm-hmm. in the pocket. And he knows yeah. where he's going to go. Yes, he does. Yeah, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was like, <laughs> here, let's slide to that. <laughs> oh, it's in tune. It's in key. All right, good. Lucky me. Thank goodness. Dodge that bullet. Man. Uh, yeah. He's he's a he's a working man's <laughs> guitar player is what I call him. And I mean mm-hmm. that in the, like with the utmost respect, like there's people that can shred, but, you know, maybe they can't find the best part for the song. Josh right. always finds the best part of the song. And it's yes. like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool to get to be a part of, really. I, and I... Like, yeah, a couple years ago, I would never have expected or anticipated to to be where I am now. It's pretty wild. Yeah. So, so you guys have gotten to go out and see a lot of things and do a lot of things, too, as a result yeah. of the show. And yeah. a lot of that hasn't even came out yet. I remember right. you guys talking about some of the things mm-hmm. you were doing when you were there, and I still haven't seen that stuff. Yes. So obviously yeah. there's a 
there's an archive going on. Yes. Have there been any experiences that you can talk about mm-hmm. that you that you were like kind of like I had to pinch myself. Am I awake? Like, am I here right now? Is there anything yeah. you can talk about in that uh, that line of thinking? Yes, I'm. I'm just gonna do it, and I'll ask for forgiveness later. Okay, <laughs> if, if I'm not supposed to. Um, so, I think one of the coolest things we went to Kalamazoo last year, and um, prior to the release of the Pack Rat, the idea was um, to go do this huge push of um, like learning information about the rat and the history of the rat. So the rat is from Kalamazoo, Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's where Proco's factory was. And so um, we we went up there to um, interview about eight folks, um, seven or eight folks that all at one point worked for Proco and many of, well, all of them still in the area. Um, and so we got to sit down and see some pretty uh, insane collections of people's like rat collections. There's a guy that came that has like every version of the rat and stuff Josh doesn't have and Uh-oh. like super, oh, super kill cool. Him. It was yeah. pretty wild, man. It was wild <laughs> to see some of this stuff. And Josh is like, he he kind of gets this like, oh, man, I got to find one of those, you know? I think, <laughs> I think by this point he has found all of the things that he, you know, had hope, hoped he'd find. But um, uh, that, was, that was amazing to get to go and hear people's stories like um, – I, I can't recall her name. That's terrible. Um, was one of the um, – she went by – was it Kathy maybe? Um, but she was this sweet, sweet lady who just loved building pedals. Uh, and wow. that's what she did. She's not a musician at all. But um, like she spent her entire career building um, building pedals at Proco and just loved it. And so hearing those people talk about um, – the the company they worked for and the you know now looking back in hindsight and seeing this really um influential pedal for you know culture music culture and ultimately influencing culture as a whole that's what music does right mm-hmm. um hearing these people that are just normal people like you and I you know they have families they sleep they go to the bathroom like they're just they're just normal people but um hearing their stories about you know, building and um, being a part of this legacy, so to speak, was it's really special. And um, and so I'd, I'd say that's probably the coolest thing for me is like getting to meet people. Um, there was another trip that we we went and uh, interviewed was the first trip I went on with Josh and Nick, but we went and interviewed um, the founders of DOD. So oh, David, so cool. um, yeah, man, that was amazing to go and, and listen to go, those guys talk and um, get to hear their stories. And again, it's like, you know, when they talk about them, they're thinking about, um, they're just like, yeah, like, this is just what we did. It was our business, you know, and um, then we designed this pedal and we got the, you know, the, um, uh, the what do you call it? The uh, the manual basically for how this, the op amp worked, right? Mm-hmm. This new part that changed distortion and so, um, or, or overdrive distortion. And, and they're like, yeah, we just, we, you know, built this, this pedal around this thing and it did this blob, you know, that it, it did this, um, made this sound and that sound, you know, influenced the world. And it's like, it's so cool to hear just these normal people really talk about something that, um, that changed history. It, well, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm sure you run into this quite often uh, as I do, but you know, you get out into, you know, with normal people, I guess, for lack of a better term. Sure. And they're, they're like, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. And the, and it, I'm always like, how do I, yeah, how do I explain this? You know, yeah. like I, 
I talk to people on the internet about <laughs> things that about guitars. <laughs> do, yeah, and they're, I'm like, I like you know, like a lot of pedal companies. They're like, what's a pedal? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I always would be like, you know, like a wah wah pedal. But I know that they think in their head, they're like, wow. It's all wah-wah pedals. That's a lot of right. wah-wah pedals, you know, and it's like, it's so hard. It's it's funny. Be, it's funny to us because mm-hmm. it's part of the day-to-day life. And we know that people get right. super passionate about this stuff. Yeah. But most people have no idea mm-hmm. what a guitar pedal even is. That's true. And they've, but yet it's actually impacted their lives in ways that yeah. they don't fully like. You know, I mean, you can point to a million bands, just like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Wouldn't sound the same without the op-amp Big Muff. And people true. know that. Like, wow, they have a unique sound, especially right. on those early records. That's a crazy sound. How did they get it? But they don't know that it's like, it's all that pedal. That's yes. the whole thing. Yes. And and so the way that this somewhat like niche unknown thing has impacted culture at large, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the whole basis for the pedal movie, right? It it's is. just yep. such a weird, it's such a weird niche within the niche. And it is. to find ourselves like in this weird position where, you know, I think you and I, we grew up like listening to all this music and wondering how it was created and, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to do it so badly. Yeah. And now we're on the other side of things where we're helping people discover how to do it. Yeah. And it's yep. it's it's such a treat and a weird, weirdly cool position to be in. But it's not something I ever saw coming. You know? Yeah. Now, what a perspective. Like, it is really a treat. It's a it's a privilege. Like this morning we played a game of uh, Critical Rig, this thing that Nick came up with. It's like <laughs> D&D with guitar pedals, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, how how weird and how cool that, like, that I get to go do, like like I said, I wouldn't have imagined two years ago, you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a part of the JHS show and, you know, because we weren't doing those live streams when I started. Um, it, yeah, like, that's somewhat of, recent, right? Like a year or so? I'd say we're about a year and a half in. So, yeah, um, yeah we, you know, now it's become a regular thing, but, yeah, all I have to say, it's like, uh, it's this weird niche thing that is um, so impactful. And it's funny that other people in the world enjoy it as much as we do. You know, like <laughs> y- you mentioned like our, our viewership to to subscriber ratio. Um, we've we've actually like our, our, our analytics show us that um, the majority of folks that watch our content are actually subscribed to our channel. And so what's really cool is that there's like a, a community and, mm-hmm. you know, they're subscribed to way more channels than just ours, but there's a, a, a bunch of people that just really enjoy this stuff as much as we do, you know, that'll sit and listen to content for hours. I mean, like Josh and Nick will give me trouble all the time. They're like, Oh, like Addison nerding out about gear still. My, um, my, we have a Christmas party every year and they hand out t-shirts with a saying. And my first, um, Christmas t-shirt was, I still love gear. And this was six months in, but they were like, (laughs) we're going to, we're going to break you. Like you, you know, you're not going to love gear anymore. And it's like, actually two and a half years in man, like I, I got more pedals than I did back then. I got more gear than I love it. I just, I love it. It's so fun. It's funny because I keep thinking like, and and sometimes it does happen. It's like, oh, I'm getting a little long in the tooth and kind of jaded about, <laughs> oh, good, cool. Oh, no. All right, sweet. There's another pedal release. Oh, who, whoop-dee-doo. And then something will come out. Yeah. I don't, I, what's the last one? The, oh, the Maris LVX will come Ooh. out. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Well, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like right back there, you know, like, I gotta like, have that. Oh, God. oh yeah, I'm gonna, they, they were like, yeah, do you want to be a part of the release? I was like, let me check my pulse. Am I live? Yeah, of course I want to be a part of the release. Let's go, what? you know? And Dude. so, 
So I that, those are the times where I know I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to be actually over this. If I'm yes. not over it by this yeah. point, it's yeah. never going away, which yep. is kind of cool. Like, <laughs> it is cool. It's cool to have that thing. Like, you know, I, I bought my first guitar pedal 15 years ago. I'm like, mm-hmm. I haven't stopped buying them. I Let's see. I got one in this week. I got a, a, a Leela volume pedal. Like I, there you I go. bought that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not going to stop. They're so fun. And I love making music with them. I love, I love making sounds. It's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I've told this story four million times. I'm sure yeah. the listeners are getting sick of hearing about it, but, but I, got I haven't to a, heard it. <laughs> you haven't heard it. So there you go. So I've got, I got to a point in 2021 where I was like, it became all about the gear. Everything mm-hmm. musical that I did was about the gear and it was about showing what something sounded like or telling people about it or whatever the case may be. It became all about the thing and not about the music. It wasn't that for me anymore. And I didn't like that. Wow. You know, I, and that was when I was really getting jaded. I was like, yeah. oh, here's another thing, you know, yeah. just so stupid, it's yeah. just a stupid way to, to even think. But I guess you do anything long enough, you know, something happens. But yes, I yes. got to a point where I was like, you know what? Stop worrying about that. Just make a record. Just make wow. music to make music. You have this absurd shed with an absurd every you can make every sound that you could possibly think of with a guitar. Yeah. And just, just grab whatever you want without, without the thought that like, oh, I need to show chorus this time, or I need to show overdrive this time. Like just grab it. If it does the thing you want to do, get rid of it. If it doesn't, you know, pull something out, just make a record. Don't worry about what you're using on it. And of course I ended up using insane effects chains that were just absolutely ridiculous. Cause you could. Because I could. Yeah. Yeah. And that became the whole, the whole record. I was playing pedals more than I was guitar. But it it really reignited, like, just make music, man. Mm-hmm. Like, don't yeah. don't get so wrapped up in the gear that you lose sight of why you even... I didn't know what a guitar pedal was the first time I got, like, heard a chunky power chord and got inspired. You know, I didn't yeah. know what that was. Right. So, that's cool, and I want to do it. Yeah. So, you know, it, and I think that's that can be important for all of us gear people to remember. Yep. That's, yeah. Why did we start doing this in the first place? Man, I that's funny. Like that makes me think of it, it was another like COVID story. I was uh, I follow this guy named um, Richard Bailey. He's a drummer in LA, a session guy, mm-hmm. and um, he was talking about this idea of um, he put into words something that I think m- many musicians feel, and that's like the um, the idea of like me music be feeling pretty meaningless if you're not doing it with others. And it, it reminds me of this quote from mm-hmm. um, Into the Wild. It's a, a great movie. Um, he just says like, life's meaningless uh, unless it's shared. And so um, I feel that way about music, honestly. And um, I know there's, I'm not saying that, you know, making music in your room by yourself and never sharing it with anybody is bad. I'm not saying that at all. But I just, I think it's so much more powerful and impactful when you do share it with other people and you do release it. And you are one of my favorite things, as much as I love gear, there's still nothing that I love more than playing music with other people. Like, and I, I, I get to do that pretty regularly, um, both with my job and outside of work. But man, there is just something about, and I'm not even talking about performance and like, you know, people clapping for me because I did a good job. It's like, it's the interaction between two humans that aren't perfect, that somehow create something really cool together. Man, I Mm -hmm. just feel like that is so meaningful and so impactful. I think music's one of the most powerful things that we have in life. Oh, I absolutely believe that to be true. Because, you know, like, it's 
it accents everything, right? Yeah. And there's yeah. there's moments in everybody's life where you remember like the song that you were listening to at a particular moment, or you yes. remember like this something happened and then this then this happened and then this yeah. note hit at just the right time. Right. Or you're jamming together and it's like Ah, uh, uh, the jam session's not going very well, everyone. And then somebody's just like noodling on this riff. You're like, wait, what's yeah. that? Oh, it's this yeah. thing I just been doing. And it's there's so many for you know, it's there's only twelve notes, right? Right. And there's yeah. just infinite shades within yeah. there that it's really it's really something else. You know, it is. <laughs> it's, it is. It, it impacts everybody. Yep. Everyone that can hear, anyway. I guess. Yep. It's true. It's mm-hmm. you know, and even. Those that can't, I would argue, you know, my brother. That's true. Uh, they, they can feel it. Exactly. Yeah. My mm-hmm. brother's, um, he has uh, been a sign language um, like in a in past career. So he worked with a lot of deaf folks and he would even talk about the power of music to some of them. They'd go to concerts and like they would just lean up against subs and feel, you know, the music. It's like to them, that's that's enjoying and uh, enjoying the thing that we're enjoying just in a different way, you know. That's um, true. Yeah, it's just it's so powerful. We, my wife and I, have had the privilege of visiting um, different countries and not re- like there being a language barrier, but um, like you know they would sing our songs in their language and we would sing, you know, their songs in our language, and it was like it didn't matter that they we didn't quite understand what the lyric was saying, even though we could we could you know think of the lyric in in English in our heads. But it was like man. I know that song. I know that melody. It's the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. it, like it transcends language and culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's it's funny when you think about it too, because you can you can see it. And it's like the only truly universal language there is, you know? It, you can see it on people's yes. faces. Yes. It's like, oh, I know that feeling. I don't yes. know what that guy said. I have no idea what he just said, but I know yep. that feeling. We all have been there. It's truly, uh, it's truly something special. And you know, my my friend uh, Devon Whitaker. He, I don't know if you've seen his channel. It's Devon Blue. He's got like the blue gloves, and he does all the. Oh, you've got to check out his channel. I if haven't you haven't seen it. No. It's wild. Okay, he does. I'll, I'll he does these crazy, s- crazy cinematic demos and stuff. And dude, he's one of those guys. Like his first demo was uh, was shot on an iPhone. It was the okay. Cooper FX. Uh, which one was it? I can't remember. One of the first Cooper FX pedals. Okay. And he shot it on his phone. And when he told me he shot it on his phone, I was like, what? How? You know, he's just got yeah. that. And now he's got all this crazy gear. But like yeah, the, yeah. the first one he did on his phone and it's just amazing looking. Wow. Like he's so good at, at video. But, you know, he's talking about the, um, the creators like ourselves, like mm-hmm. musicians of any yeah. sort. Sometimes I think we take advantage of or it's not advantage. We mm-hmm. take for granted yeah, yeah. the fact that we can do this because yeah. we've been doing it for so long. It's true, when man. Most people can't do it. Yeah. And we're wow. surrounded by musicians. So we're always like, kind of like Josh yeah. is downplaying his, he's like, oh, I'm not that good, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, I don't know, show somebody who can't play at all what yeah. you can do. Yeah. And they're going to be like, you're ridiculously good. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, um, yeah. It, it's something we all, I think, because we're all surrounded by it 24 seven that we, yeah. We tend to downplay our own abilities. And yeah. he actually would argue that there's some level of responsibility to put things out there. And I could yes. see why there might be a debate to that. Yep. But I also see his point. You know, yep. it, it it is it, because he's basically a saying, you know, to summarize, like you need to do it because others can't. Man. 
And uh, I, it's an interesting perspective. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Goodhertz. Well, it's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossie, I invite you to head over to chaseblinsaudio.com. Gonna like what you find. I I love that thought. I've actually been thinking both those things. The the first being um, what you said about the gift that we have that some people don't have. Like it's funny. I was editing a video this morning, and I was um I was at the jam portion of the video, and Josh went from picking, and he put the pick away, and he did some finger picking stuff, and the way his hand brought the pick back. I like I I replayed that because I was like fascinated by his the motor skills in his hands to be able to do that. And and so mm -hmm. um I often will even when we're like playing on the show or something like I'll look at my hands and I'll see the movement and I'll go man what what a privilege like that my hands can function and do this. And it's muscle memory and it's time yeah. and it's you know practice but uh, the truth is like man, I, it's just like a gift that I have. And so that's another thing. Like, actually, man, I do feel that responsibility to like, I have a gift and, and I'm, there's, you know, greater gifted people out there than me. I'm not saying that, but th I'm not saying that I'm, you know, like some amazing, whatever. I'm just saying like, I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's, it's kind of important, man, to like, to, yeah. Whatever that looks like yeah, for I mean, you, whether it, whether it's with your family or whether it's making records with your friends or going on tour, you know, and playing arenas, I don't know, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, use your gift. I love that. That gets me excited. Yeah, I think sometimes we need to think back to when we first started. Yeah, and like how hard a power chord was. Yeah, like it was just like, oh yeah. man, my fingers hurt. I can't quite do <laughs> yes. it. You know, like 
you know, you're you're fretting out and like buzzing and like how hard it used to be to do things that now you don't even think about. You just throw a G up. Yes. Like you don't even think about it now. Yeah. But like that used to be so difficult. It used to be. And some people never get past that phase of the challenge. You know, it's true. And uh, it's in fact, most people don't. I think I think most people who pick up instruments don't stick with it. it's but true. for some reason, we're just stubborn and weird, and we <laughs> <laughs> we decide to power through. Well, it's it's because the uh, the gear is the end point for us, and music is means to an end, which is the gear. So that's true. That's <laughs> true. Really, kidding. it's I'm, all about fuzz pedals. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Wait, no, that's mm-hmm. completely opposite of everything that we just said. <laughs> Wait, I don't. No, no, no it's, yeah. it's it's all about fuzz pedals. Ultimately, right. yeah. okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, JHS one specifically. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> That's funny. So one thing I wanted to ask you. So you're obviously like the show is your main thing. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Yep. Do you take part in, obviously, I think when I'm looking, when I was there looking, it was almost like there was two departments. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the pedal making department and there was the, you know, media department. Yep. But obviously those two intermix and ideas combine and, you know, you've got to know when releases are happening and blah, 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 blah. Yep. But what does it actually look like mm. to come up with some of the ideas for pedals? You know, things like the mm. bonsai and like all these really creative, cool ideas. Mm. Do you have any input on that? Does it come from your jam session sometimes? Does it come from just staring at these walls of 4,000 plus pedals and just dreaming up stuff? Like where does that stuff materialize from in the actual product side? <sighs> I can't speak to where things came from in the beginning for Josh. I've heard him talk a lot about it. Just basically, you know, um, being a guitar player, hearing a sound, hearing that modded pedal, and then going, well, how can I get that sound? Figuring that out. And then from there, just slowly, yeah. know, one circuit after another. Um, I I don't really have – I'm not like the idea guy in any way for um, for products. I, honestly, even really for content. Um, what's really cool though about my job, I, I do primarily work with the show. There's a couple other things that I get to do at JHS, one of which being um, we call it approval team. But I get to give feedback on all of the stuff that's in process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been, you know, a, a number of things I've gotten to go – Hey, um, you know, I hear this, I don't really enjoy this, um, or I love this. Maybe we could, you know, maybe the knob could do a little bit more of it. Um, uh, so I've, I've gotten to, you know, ever since I started really, um, I've gotten to give feedback really on, on that stuff. And so, um, as far as where ideas come from, man, I think you, you nailed it on the head. I think it's, you know, being, uh, influenced by a room of, you know, four or 5,000 pedals that, um, have a ton of history behind them. And and Josh is just passionate. A lot of it, uh, you know, is, is being able to give people, um, some things that they'd never get to play otherwise. If, if, Mm -hmm. you know, there weren't modern versions of it, because like, we've got one of the 1.5, uh, Mark, let's see. How do you say that? What's the proper way? Mark 1.5 tone. Yeah. Okay. Is that Mm -hmm. it? We have one of those in, in the museum. That's, you can't go buy that. I certainly can't go buy that, you know? And no. so it's cool to get to, you know, build pedals for people that, um, that wouldn't get to have that experience otherwise. Um, and there's a ton mm-hmm. of other people out there that do it. And, you know, obviously a big part of our show is talking about those people too. But, um, I think, I think, man, it's, um, just a passion for, um, you know, history, 
and how history affects uh, or how how um, pedals affect you know history as a whole, culture as a whole. And so um, I I don't think Josh will ever quit. I mean, I think he'll go to the. <laughs> I think he will go to the grave, man. Just trying to, to make the coolest stuff possible. That's so cool. Yeah. All right, I I do have a few more questions before we okay. wrap up this this Hit main me. episode. But and Great. before I get to those classics mm-hmm. and and you know give you your chance to kind of shine on your own, okay. I, I have one question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about. Okay. What's with the crook? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's oh, been dude. on the show. Has he? And uh, yeah, yeah, he's a great dude. Cool. And uh, and we talked about it pretty extensively. But like, how? <laughs> what made you fall so hard for the crook? Okay, so if if there's anybody out there right now that's like, oh man, he just like he doesn't actually really love that pedal. He just talks about it a lot because you know, poison is funny, stuff. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So not the case. I so Jordan reached out to me on Instagram like a year and a half ago. Um, maybe not quite so long. I don't, I don't remember when it was. Timing is not super important. What I do know is at the time, um, he was like, can I send you a pedal? Um, and we had started live streams by this point. I was, you know, playing bass. I, you know, we have this overdrive that works really well on bass. And so I said, yeah, go ahead and send it. Send it to the shop and Josh will add it to his collection. And so I think Jordan actually meant to send me a pedal that I could I could have and keep. Well, so he sends it in and I tried on bass. And just genuinely fall in love with it. It does a thing that, um, so I do a lot of uh, post-production audio now, um, both at work and then outside of work, mixing stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it does a thing in a pedal that I'm usually trying to do with plugins. And it's this really just this upper harmonic content that helps your signal push through a little bit, right? So if you're listening on a phone, um, it doesn't reproduce every frequency below, you know, it, it kind of cuts off. We, we had this roll off around 300 Hertz maybe. Right. So you, mm-hmm. you don't have low end. Well, how, do you, how do we hear this low end? It's like upper harmonic content in these instruments. So you hear them, you don't feel them. Bass is usually felt. And so that pedal gave me this content that I'm always kind of looking for and, and hunting for. And so, um, I don't have it on all the time, but I certainly use it. I mean, a ton. And so, um, it's it's it became such a fun thing. It was a joke for a little while, and then it was like, oh, this is you know that kind of a real thing, and that it was like funny. And now it's just like, no, I actually genuinely think it's a great pedal. Um, I have two of them. I have one with my face on it, which is like, <laughs> when that came in, they're like, cool. So is this like your two week notice, or we have you reached the pinnacle <laughs> of you know? <laughs> I have a pedal with my face on it that another company made. How cool is that? So. Um, yeah, man, that's the story behind it. I I think they make great stuff. I've got a whole set. They were so generous. They Jordan's like, dude, I would love to send you our whole line. Could I send it to you? And I, I have it. It's over here to nice. my right. And um, it, all of their pedals are awesome. Like they're really cool. Genuinely, they make great quality, great sounding pedals. And so um, <laughs> that's the story. It's <laughs> it's awesome. I love they, it. They do. I've got a seesaw <laughs> here, and I love. Oh, it. sick. Okay. Yeah, it's a good, good. time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, and he was a really fun interview. He has a really cool story. If nobody's heard that yet, go yeah. back and listen to his episode because I really enjoyed talking to him. And I know he listens to this show, so he's going to hear that as well. So, hi, Jordan. Uh, hi, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your great pedals, man. We appreciate yeah, dude. you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here we go. We're getting into the 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 end of the show. 
Okay. All right. It's been so fun. Yeah, this is a good chat. This is a lot Man. of fun. I knew it would be. I knew Thank it would you. be. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into the classic questions, okay. I like to give the guests the opportunity to take the floor. You can okay. shout out your grandma. You can say whatever you want to say. You can okay. plug anything you want to plug. You can. This is you. you. You're talking to a couple thousand people, which you do all the time. But <laughs> you know, you know. Do I want to say whatever? Yeah. Oh man. Um. I'm. T- I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around my room, like thinking, some will something inspire me? Something uh, might. Okay. Oh, he's going for something. Oh no! I talked about it a bunch. But I'll talk about it again. This is my favorite pedal. <laughs> Go buy one if you don't have one. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. This is an Analog Man modded uh, Deluxe Memory Man, but this is the oh. tap, t- tap tempo version. We're on a mm-hmm. we're on a gear podcast. This is a cool story. Can I can I tell a story? Tell a story. Yeah. Okay. So these this is the one with the Panasonic chips in it, right? That are supposedly um, superior. I don't know if that's the case, Magical. but they're definitely yeah. yeah. You know, they're worth more. I know that much. Um, my wife and I were on a vacation. We were driving through Springfield, Missouri, headed uh, to Arkansas in 2014. And I read a rumor that there was a new old stock batch of these being released. And so I went into a couple music stores in Springfield and I said, you don't happen to have one of these, do you? And they're like, no, but you should call Chicago Music Exchange. I bet you if mm-hmm. anybody got one, it'd be them. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I walk out and I go, Call CME, and uh, I think the guy's name is Adam. He picked up, and I asked him, and he goes, we actually have one, and it's not even in our system yet. And it had, like, gotten Ooh. there the, the day before or that day. I don't know what the timing was. All I know mm-hmm. is that the public didn't see it, so I bought it right then and there. So nice. um, that's my best gear story. Um, also, <laughs> hi, mom and dad. <laughs> there you go. Gonna, they're not going <laughs> to listen to this. They might. Like, they, you know, you never know. It's possible. You never man. know. They watch the show. Like, that's our. They're like, <laughs> that's our little boy. He's on the Tone Mob podcast. You know, that's it's true. The, the uh, third biggest. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't even no. know what it is. <laughs> I believe it is. I believe it is. Don't don't sell yourself short, man. I have no idea what how the rankings shake out on that. <laughs> well, you know what? If the guitar nerds get to sit there and say that they're the number one guitar podcast and they're not even in the music category, Joe yeah. Branton, uh, you know. <laughs> Then I'm gonna say shenanigans on that. I'm the number one because I feel that's like that today. Right. I feel like number one, therefore I am. How about Man, that? Man, I feel that with you, and I agree. So <laughs> we're together, two two in spirit, yes. stronger than one. There's no one else here right that's now, true. so no, no one right. can tell us we're wrong. That's right. <laughs> that's so good, man. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, man. That's the that's the other shout out. Shout out to you. You're awesome, man. Thanks yeah. for oh well, thank, thanks. Thanks for having dude. me on. This has been really fun. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Now I now I feel like oh, I definitely got to have Nick on because I kind of jumped over yeah. him. I did. I did Josh, and okay. then I did you, and nice. now I got to get Nick. So, dude, do it. And honestly, more shout out. Driller and Joshua are both really, uh, and they're they're you know really um, a huge part of the team as well. So it's kind of like a we're like a five six-piece team at JHS that works on marketing content and stuff. Um, Katie's a part of that as well, but those, those yeah. two guys too. So they're they're interesting. They'll be a different conversation than Nick or Josh and me. And so, um, yeah, man, get all of them on here. Yeah. I'm sure they'd love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I got to say, like, I felt, uh, when I left, I felt kind of weird because I mm-hmm. didn't really, 
I, I met Joshua basically on the air, essentially. Mm. Like we didn't really talk beforehand. And then I felt like I was just kind of making fun of him like immediately <laughs> when we didn't really have that kind of, uh, you know, we didn't really have a relationship. So like, it's like <laughs> yeah. this guy just showed up and started r- making fun of me uh, on the air for some reason when he has, and I was like, you know, it's not really what I would normally do, but that's I felt like funny. I was just kind of dogpiling on with everybody else. I was like, yeah, Joshua. <laughs> so there. Oh, uh, so sorry. Man. I didn't I didn't mean it. Nah, man. He's he's a great sport. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> I I promise you you didn't hurt his feelings. <laughs> I didn't it didn't seem like it. it seemed like no. he was enjoying it. So that's great. All right. Final questions. Here we go. Okay, let's go. All right. I'm gonna be very curious to hear from you since you've gotten to play so much stuff on this. Okay. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, uh, hands down. Okay, well, I shouldn't say hands down because I had to think about it for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one for sure is the VB2. Um, Ooh, mm-hmm. Now, I I own my pedal boards right here. I Perfect. own um, the Waza version, mm-hmm. uh, which I put a piece of gaff tape over the Waza logo because I want it to look <laughs> like the old ones. Um, <laughs> I can't afford a real one, and I probably won't ever just because – they literally sound the same. I have played them side by side by this point. Um, man, Boss is my favorite pedal company. I Josh actually said it the other day too. That's his favorite pedal company. But um, I also I think we knew uh, that already. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you already. Yeah. yeah. He talks about them a lot, right? It seems like um, if I could have guessed that if he hasn't yeah, said it yet. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, it's a a close second. Uh, is the Boss DD5. I'm a huge fan of that. Oh, the DD5. Love that, yes. Usually people go DD3, so you're going DD5. Why do you like the DD5 better? All the music I play uh, usually needs, like, synchronized tempos, and so Mm -hmm. that was... I I don't know if it was, like, the first tap tempo digital delay. It probably wasn't the first, but... um, It might have been. Maybe. It really might have been. It's, like, 94, 95, I think, mid-90s that it came out. Um it's, it kind of does a thing, and I don't know. So there was a rumor that was floating around for a long time and probably still is, is that there's it sounds the way it sounds because there's a part that's overloaded or overheated in the pedal. And I, I mentioned that to Josh one day, and he goes, man, we're talking about Boss here. Do you think that they really would have let something out of their factory that had an issue like that? There was like something was overheated. So I don't know how that got started. Maybe it's hmm. true. I don't know, but there is something um, a little bit special to me about the repeat of a DD5. It has a weight to it. It's um, it's just a, a little meatier, I guess would be a word for it. It's why I like uh, Memory Men, honestly, because they just are like they're heavy feeling, but yet they they don't really get in the way. If that makes sense. So. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why that struck me as so funny. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard that before. Memory men. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not memory mans. No, I, it's memory men. That's I don't know why that that hit me as really funny for some reason. Like, oh yeah, memory men. That's of course funny. it's memory men. That's <laughs> I don't, maybe that, it's not. Maybe it's not. I think it is. No, I okay. think it is. It just I've never heard that before. But <laughs> it, it is but now. It, it is now. Memory men. <laughs> that's great. You heard it on the Tone Mob podcast. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. All right, final question. This okay. is the one that gets a little dicey. Oh. People get kind of upset. Yeah, it's a big deal. So okay. here we go. Okay. What is your fa- what's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so I can't eat uh gluten or dairy. Woof. That's so, rough. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> um my favorite I now I have had pizza many times in my life prior to my teenage years when I discovered I couldn't eat gluten or dairy. 
pepperoni pizza, hands down. Just regular pepperoni. Regular yeah. old pepperoni pizza, nothing else. I don't need any of that stuffed crust. I don't need jalapenos. I don't need black olives. And my wife's probably in the other room like, what are you talking about? I love black olives on pizza. I don't need that. I just want, and to get more specific, thin crust. Yes. Pepperoni pizza. Mm-hmm. Normal red sauce. Whatever whatever the, the cheese, mozzarella cheese. Mm-hmm. That's the best kind of pizza to me. I like I like that. I would I would dig in. Normally I dig in real deep and like okay. right, you know go pizzeria. You know, but but okay. I'm like, what if you haven't been eating pizza? Yeah, th- like then I I don't feel that's fair to like grill you on the specifics of the thing you can't eat. So I, I'm not going to do that to you. I have a story though. So we went to Chicago a number of years ago with some friends, mm-hmm. and it's funny. We're actually going to Chicago next week. My wife and I together as well to see the Killers. Woo! Um, super stoked about that. Anyways, nice. that's an aside. Sorry, I had to talk about the killers on air. Um, <laughs> can't not. Uh, so we were in Chicago like six or seven years ago and had this enormous thin crust, gluten-free pepperoni pizza. And I don't even think it had cheese on it, but it was the best pizza I have ever had in my life. And wow. it would it would be in Chicago. So I don't know what it was called. Um, I've been Googling it, to be honest with you, to try and find it again so we can go back next week. Um, I'm going to say that's, that's the best pizza. That's the best thing I've ever had in my life. Chicago. Mystery gluten-free Chicago pizza. You're going to have to come back. Once you come back, you'll have okay. to let us know I will. what it is. I Figure will. it out. <laughs> we'll this do is your homework up. assignment. Yes. Done. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Sweet. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Let's slide over to Patreon and okay. see what kind of weirdness can happen. Awesome, man. Done. <laughs> All right, everybody. For Addison, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. I'd been wanting to talk to Addison more in depth for a very long time, and I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. We get even more into it on the Patreon section of the podcast. On that section, Addison and I get into the various weird things that have happened in our homes. We talk about uh, bats. We talk about possums, we talk about ducks, we talk about very strange happenings in our residences that some of you may know a little about, some of you maybe don't, but it's a real thing that we've both had to deal with over the years, and for some reason we decided to talk about it rather in depth, along with a bunch of other stuff. And if you like more conversations, if you want to go more in depth with the guests from every week, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com slash ToneMob, where for five bucks a month, you too can get access to all the back bonus episodes. And additionally, I am planning on starting to release ad-free versions of the podcast over there as well. That'll be coming very shortly. I know the ads are not everyone's favorite, but in order to keep this show free for most people, that's just what it is. I got to feed the family. I got to keep the lights on. I got to keep things going. And that is a way that I can do that and still have the show be free. That should be starting up next week. I'll, of course, let everybody know in the Tone Mob Facebook group, the Tone Mob Discord, on the interwebs in any way that I can. So there you have it. I will talk to you all next week. Hope you have a good one. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. 
So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com StringJoy, and that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.